Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. Before we get started with our guest today, a few listeners have been curious as to how I've been doing progressing toward my goal of running 2,021 miles this year. We are four months into the year and I've completed 544 miles, so I'm about a third of the way to my goal. It's been a lot of fun exploring new paths and running with friends again. The pollen here in Atlanta became an obstacle, so I've recently had to master the restart. Spring is a time of renewal, and I hope you're getting restarted toward your own health goals too. If you need a refresher on how to practice this skill called Mastering the Restart, check out the February 15th episode. It walks you through step by step. Thanks to everyone who's been cheering me on. Let us know how your spring restart is going. Without further ado, Hello Health Advisor Rissa Redden is my guest today as we continue our Women at the Helm series. Rissa is a Senior Vice President of Marketing for the Commercial Business at Equifax. We talked about the power of curiosity in fostering collaboration. It's better if you don't have all the answers as a leader. That I think that you, you need to make space for people to rise up and to bring their skills and abilities to the problem or to the conversation. Managing your personal energy over the course of the day helps you be your best self. I'm reminded of some work that I did with a coach years back, and it was thinking about what gives you energy and what takes away your energy. And I think it's really important to get in touch with that. Rissa, welcome to Hello Health today. It's great to see your face. (laughs) Thank you so much, Carmen. I'm delighted to be here with you. I've got to say, thank you so much for all you've done for Hello Health as our advisor. Your your stuff is so great. You're just making us better and better. Thank you. It's my pleasure to work with you and to help you to better serve your audiences. You are so polished and energetic. Have you always been this way? <laughs> that is a fantastic question. I would... Uh, say that it is a, I am a work in progress as are so many. And it is um, an area of focus for me to bring some intentionality, which I think brings with it some polish and some poise. (laughs) So tell me more about the early part of your career, because I think I'm catching you at this huge trajectory. You're already this bright shining star, but I'd like to know a little bit more about how you got started. When I reflect back on the early days of my career, I I have a feeling that there is a level of serendipity that was in play. And as an example, when I moved out to San Francisco with $30 in my pocket at the age of 23, I found a role with a Miami of Ohio alum and it was a bit of happenstance. It was a bit of, con- but it really illustrated for me the power of connections and the power of an alumni network and to have somebody who was willing to take a chance on me. And he later turned to me, and the work was outsourced accounting for small businesses in the Bay Area. And he made a comment to me at one point and he said, um, You really are not that strong with accounting, but where you're really no, strong no. is with relationships. And your clients know that if you don't know the answer, you will get to the answer. And so it was a really powerful bit of feedback to hear of, oh, this is who I am, or this is how I show up in this world. And it's something that I've definitely carried with me. 
So you started out in accounting in San Francisco? I did indeed, and then made my way back to the Midwest. And I do feel like accounting is such a great grounding for any professional that it's so important to be able to read financial statements. It's important to know cash flows. It's important to think holistically about a business. So I think it helps me to be a better marketer today to have had that experience early on in my career. What would you say to that that younger version of yourself now, now that you're where you are now? Looking back, is there something you wish you knew? Yes. I mean, there are many things that I wish I had known, but I think that <laughs> a major one for me is make the decision. It's not locking you in to a particular circumstance. It's a bridge to what's next. And I, I, I feel like I was so paralyzed at an early age because I was concerned about not making the right decision. And so I wouldn't make any decision. And I really think there was nothing that couldn't be undone. I think there was, for me, it would have been better to have made more decisions. And now we say that the term failing fast, that that, that, that idea of failing fast is so beneficial. And I didn't have the sense that that was a good thing to fail fast when I was in my 20s. I understand that. I think that really resonates. Uh, we just want to get it right. You know, we don't want to fail. Fail fail seems like, uh, I don't know, makes us feel badly to fail. Absolutely. And I think that you are raised up in school, you know, being rewarded for having the right answer. And then all of a sudden you get out into this this wide open space and, and you don't, it's not as easy to tell what a right answer is. or And it, that might be just a fallacy that there is no right answer. So why even try to to think that there is one and anchor to it. Or like you're meant to do something. So people will tell you that you have a purpose and that, that you have to find that purpose and then just stick to it and, and not see that we're going to grow and change. That's pretty interesting. I wish I'd known that too, by the way. <laughs> There's also the idea we have to recover from mistakes, right? That like you're going to make a mistake. Like how do you recover from a mistake? No one teaches us that. No, and it's interesting that you mentioned that. I've had this conversation a lot lately with my voice teacher who I meet with weekly. And I love the way in which she delivers feedback. And it, it always is so helpful to me. But we were talking recently about the importance of memorization, of memorizing a song for a performance. And she said, you need to focus on recovery just as much as you need to focus on memorization. Because I love her. Right, right, she's right. my favorite. And she yeah, <laughs> is amazing. And 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 I, I think that she's right that how much should we be more focused on how you recover from a s- set of circumstances than even preparing for the set of circumstances. And I just think that's such an interesting perspective that she brings to me. Uh, this is kind of an interesting question. What's the what's the best question you've ever gotten during a job interview? Anything good? I love uh, questions and I love to ask questions and to answer questions. And I always love questions that are something along the lines of tell me about a time when, because that is opening up the door for, I want to hear a story. And, and I have put emphasis more recently around storytelling and I received a certification recently on becoming a storytelling facilitator Oh, that's cool. And I love it. And I was I just need to take that training. 
I was just on a session yesterday and we had to tell a one minute story. And I think there is something about it's a muscle and you need to practice it. And the story that I told yesterday starts off with, I'm not a cool mom. And it's all about, you know, how do you, oh. how do you, how do you, you know, bring somebody in and, and share something with them? And I think that there is a, an art to storytelling, but I love the opportunity to flex that muscle. I want to become a better storyteller. I'm going to I'm going to talk to you after this. <laughs> I think it's so amazing because we all have so many cool stories to share. And you've got great stories and I, I you are a great storyteller. I've heard you do it. And, Thank and you. It's, um, <laughs> it's what's interesting to me is I can tell the story that you've told because it sticks with you. I mean, there is just that um there is that element of story that just lives within us after after hearing one that in a way that other information just doesn't land. Okay, you know what? That's you know what? I'm going to rise to that and let's make it a game. Are you ready? You're going to tell a story. I'm going to say, "Okay, tell me a story about when." Ready? Okay, I will tell you the story that I told. Uh so I I am not a cool mom. I have a daughter and I have dragged her to many things that she did not want to attend. But my goal for her <laughs> is that there is never a room she is intimidated to walk into. So one of the things that I dragged her to was Economic Club of Chicago events and their black tie. And it's a formal dinner in a ballroom and there is a speaker. And so I brought her and we were sitting at this round table of 10 people all in their tuxes and you know formal dresses. And a guy across the table starts grilling Whitney. And she would have been about 16 at this time. And he is um, asking her about where she goes to school. He is asking her about what she does. And somehow it comes up that she plays the clarinet. And he says to her with, I would say, a bit of tone, are you any good? Wow. And it's one of those moments where time stops. And I'm thinking to myself, you, you, you're going to come through me to get to her. Like that, this is not how this goes. Oh We're not goodness. going to yeah. you know, come after her without going through me first. And Whitney looks him straight in the eye and she says to him, I'm playing Carnegie Hall in the spring. Is that good? <gasps> oh, and I turned to her wow. and I said, honey, I know in this world, you will always be fine because I have seen what I have just seen. I have seen that moment. And so while I am not a cool mom, I have got really cool experiences just like that one. Oh, my goodness. I I can't tell you how much I love that. And now my poor children are going to get a really not cool mom because having children who are not intimidated to walk into any room is a really cool goal. So thank you for that. Um, I was wondering how you got to be so fantastic. And I wondered if there's been people who have influenced you along the way from going from accounting to what you do now? Absolutely. I mean, I, the first person that pops into my mind when you said, you know, who has influenced you? I mean, certainly my mom comes to mind. And uh, one of the rules of my childhood was no coloring books. And my mother's an artist and she's an artist with perfect pitch. And she oh, gosh. <laughs> believes that you should draw your own lines and color within them, that there is something that is um, stifling creativity about coloring books. And so I would always, as a kid, start with a blank piece of paper. And I think that that's such an interesting one, going back to your comment around interviews, 
that a common interview question is, you know, you're, you're going to be starting from a blank piece of paper. How would you approach X, Y, or Z? And that feels very comfortable to me because I've always started with a blank piece of paper. And so I think there's something really interesting about that metaphor and how that's translated into work experiences for me. Um, and, and certainly, um, you know, other people that come to mind, uh, a coach that I worked with um, for several years, who's amazing, Brooke, and uh, Esther Choi, who is the, the preeminent storyteller, um, but really, you know, interesting people that I've encountered along my journey that have definitely left their fingerprints all over me. So now that you've worked with that many people, like how would you describe how you are as a leader? I am, uh, if I were a superhero, I would want to be connector woman. I love bringing people together. I love the exchange of ideas. I love starting, you know, my team meetings with questions. And I love, I love that sense of curiosity and jumping back to a question that you asked earlier about, you know, early in your career, what would you have wanted more of? I think to be curious is such a critical. Oh, um, interesting. And not just, I think it's not just a personality trait. I feel like it's a practice and, and how do you practice that sense of, of wonder and curiosity? And well, what would happen if, um, so I, I would say that those are some of the things that I like to bring to a role. And I think that something that has, something that I've acquired or learned over time is it's better if you don't have all the answers as a leader that I think that you, you need to make space for people to rise up and to bring their skills and abilities to the problem or to the conversation. And I think if you feel like you're, ha- you're putting forth all the answers, it sort of, I don't know, takes the oxygen out of the room for everybody else. And I think there's such importance of ha- how do you help people bring their strengths to, to, to work every day. You're giving me a, a really great story. It's all about curiosity, creativity, and collaboration. That sounds amazing. What you just described sounds amazing. That be when you're curious, you're you feel like you are liable to make a mistake. Are you asking the right questions? Is a curious question to ask yourself. I think that's so interesting. That then on the other side of that, what would maybe help us feel more curious is knowing how to recover from a mistake. Can you can you or are you willing to describe a story where you made a mistake and how you recovered from it? So I'm thinking of an example uh, with a, a, a team member and we were having this conversation around an upcoming event and I had this idea of, well, I think we need to have a rehearsal that all of our, our colleagues can join and then we have the real event for the, the for our customers. And my colleague said, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea, Rissa. And let me explain to you all the reasons why I don't think that that's a great idea. And I said, no, I, I think we should, let's try it. You know, we need to experiment and da, da, da. And then um, it, it did not go well. And it did not go well for a whole host of, you know, there was technology, there were people, there were expectations. It was a whole thing. And on our team meeting, the next team meeting that we had, I said, I would like to describe for the group a situation. I said, let's do it. And this is what I heard. And I would like to acknowledge that my colleague was right and I was wrong. And and wow. And it was interesting wow. too because you know my colleague was like, I don't really need to hear that. Like you know, we you don't need to apologize. But I was like, I need to acknowledge that I was a proponent of this and I I had it wrong. 
I, I really had it wrong. And and moving forward, you did make that same mistake and everyone else learned from it. And so that's how we learn. I, I think it really matters to me. I'm, I'm honed in there because I want Hello Health to be a learning system. The power of what we do inside this company comes from learning from our mistakes and listening to the people that we serve and getting better as a result. So I just really appreciate um, you offering that. Well, and Carmen, you're reminding me too, I, something that I heard recently was this idea of you either win or you learn that we need to reframe losing. But I feel like both of those are winning. Like, you know, I, so I'm not sure that those are two distinct things, win and learn, because if you learn, it's a win. So I'm not quite sure how to uh, how to think about that. But I like that idea of it's not losing, it's learning. <clears throat> And the, the influence on growth and where we grow is also quite interesting, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You do a ton of volunteering and service work. Why is that important to you? I love um, volunteering, and I love it for a variety of reasons. I love that it's a chance to do things outside of my day-to-day work life. Um, so for me, it's a chance to to learn new skills and to solve new problems and to interact with people that are um, different than the people that I, I work with, that it's it, they each bring different skills and backgrounds and I might not interact with them in a work context, but I think that there is such importance in um, that that. I'm a connector, so you, you know that that's going to be attractive to me, but um, it's it's a different segment of people. And and I love that they're different than the people that I work with day in and day out at the office. So I love that about it. And I also love um, that everybody's there because they want to be, that they're choosing to be there. And that creates, I think, a different dynamic than a, a workplace dynamic. Interesting. That's so interesting, actually. Can you tell me a little bit more about believing in the power of women supporting women? How did that theme develop in your life? That's a great question around that theme, because I feel like it goes all the way back for me. I was very much raised by my mom and my grandmother and would go to my grandmother's house after school. And and my grandmother um, worked and she taught piano lessons and she was always, you know, always had something going. And um, so to see them as working mothers at an early age, uh, I think it gives some perspective. And I think that um, my mother and my grandmother were also supported by others. And so, you know, what does it mean to be successful? And I think that to be successful means you have a village. I mean, that idea of it takes a village really resonated with me when it, it came out. And so I think to have have witnessed that growing up and to now be in a place where I can be helpful. I certainly couldn't be as a kid, but now I can be. And and what does that look like? But yes, I'm a huge proponent. And I think women have so much to offer the work world. And I think there is such importance around women um, assuming leadership roles, whether that's uh, an executive role or in the boardroom. But I think there is such importance um, with women uh, raising their voices or bringing their voices to the conversation and to um, 
to really bring their talents to bear and, and um, bring, it's really ushering in, I think, a new era. So your daughter with her complete poise and lack of intimidation in Carnegie Hall just adds to a long list of women who's, who have been supported by women and who will continue that line, huh? I think that's right. I think that's right. And I, I'm reminded um, of Free to Be You and Me was something that I so treasured as a kid with Marlo Thomas and that <laughs> idea of breaking down gender stereotypes. And, you know, I think we, we all need that, um, some of those stories to, um, to understand that there are infinite ways to, to do things instead of um, historical ones. This is a great time for a short break. We'll be right back. Did you know women only have about 15% share of the voice distributed by main media? Last year, only 21% of top charting podcasts had a female host. This is because we need more ratings and reviews. We need you. This is the only time we'll ever ask you to stop listening. Hit the pause button. Take the time right now to rate and review us. Help us change the stats. That way, we can be here when you're ready to listen again. My guest today is Rissa Redden. Rissa, what's a day in the life of a senior vice president like at Equifax? Well, I can tell you that no two days are the same. I, I think it's definitely an exciting time to be at Equifax. And there is so much happening with transformation and digital technology and the cloud. And it's a really exciting place to be at a really exciting time. And um, we're, we're building something really spectacular. So I, I'm excited to be a part of, of that, that, that story. It sounds really busy. Do you mind telling me what time you actually get up? Well, I uh, am in Denver and our headquarters is in Atlanta. So I am no stranger to the 6 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. meeting. Um, but I, I like to get up and, and get going. So it, it works for me. Um, but I definitely have a lot of the, the early morning meetings. And um, and I think we've all, all flexed to adjust to virtual and, and that creates its own benefits and challenges. I love that I don't have a commute in the morning, but I also feel like, you know, it's, it's back-to-back Zoom meetings all day long, which uh, can be challenging as well. We're all performing on the screen, aren't we? Yes. And it's interesting to see, too, sort of new research coming out about the impact or what that is like. And I was reading something recently about making eye contact over a Zoom meeting is different than engaging in a meeting setting in a conference room. And I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but it it made sense to me when I was reading it. I've actually been advocating that companies give everyone um, off of Zoom or off of screen time on Fridays, like that everybody needs a little bit of a break so we can not see our bobbleheads on the screen. What do you think about that idea? I love that idea. I mean, I, I really think that um, I was reading something recently, too, about this idea of languish and are people beginning to languish as a result of the pandemic? And you know, what does that mean? And I do think that um, to get off of the screens or even to to get old school and have a phone call instead of a Zoom call. And 
I love the idea of walking meetings where I have my headset on oh, and cell yes. phone and let me just go walk around the block a couple of times because I feel like that movement also spurs um, new ideas and thoughts. And I feel like I have my best ideas when I go for a run. So h- how do we take the best of some of those activities and bring them um, into you know, the, the Zoom world? Um, I, I think it's an interesting one to, to wrestle with. There's a lot of neuroscience that supports that behavior, by the way, that when you go for a walk or a run and you're talking on a meeting, that there are more ideas proposed to solve problems. Did you know that walking and running uh, help with brainstorming? I did not. But I mean, that that intuitively makes sense to me. I did not know that there's <laughs> data to support that, which is great to know. But I do wonder about creativity and work and, and, you know, how sometimes activities can run counter to the new idea that you're looking for. So you are in Denver, but the headquarters starts early. So your day starts really early. And then you have meetings while you're exercising. When do you actually stop your day in terms of your productive and paid time? I would say I probably wrap up around, um, four or five o'clock. And then I will go back and just check in before bed um, to get ready uh-huh. for, yeah. for the next day. Yeah, plan. there it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then then on top of that, there's all the organizations you are leading and volunteering for in an unpaid way. That's true. That is true. And and you're a mom and you're a mom. And, and, uh, yes. And, and I am a mom, so it's, it's a lot. And I'm reminded always it's a lot. of, I don't know if you'll remember the TV ad from the seventies about the Anjali woman, about she could bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan. And I remember wanting to be that woman when I was a child. And now I know <laughs> sister, sister's tired. Like I, I never really thought about, you know, the, the in- implications of all of those activities. <laughs> so my point would be, how are you making time for yourself? I love um, the home gym that we have created during the pandemic. (laughs) We've always been anti-gym or we've been pro-gym, but never about having equipment at the house. So now we've got a fully, you know, built out gym in the garage that we take full advantage of. And I do love having it there because if there is a break uh, or, you know, a free hour that just to hop in the gym has been terrific. And I, um, you know, I'm certainly a big fan of meditation and love to incorporate that in where possible, because I think that that's a similar activity to running or to jogging that it, it helps just, you know, shake loose new ideas or, you know, to calm down in order for that big idea to pop up. You sound so creative. Tell me more about how creativity helps you with inside of your own health, your personal health. Do you think that you need creative projects in order to feel healthy and well? I do. I definitely do. And I feel like with, uh, I'm thinking of, um, in particular, I'll do a, a weekly singing lesson and it is restorative, uh, I believe. And there is something about singing and there is a connection between both sides of the brain in order to sing that it activates both, you know, both lobes, you you tell me the right terminology, but there is something about that. And then also (laughs) the breathing that is required for singing that is meditative or that um, I think relaxes the body, I think is really powerful. Interesting. That's so interesting. So you got a voice coach and instead of a massage therapist. 
I, it, it, it feels similar to me. I mean, at the end of a singing lesson, it feels not so dissimilar from the end of a massage where it's a reset on some level or um, a pause. I don't know the right way to articulate that, but it um, it's such a great activity and it is full body. And it's not exactly, I mean, it's, it's, it's not exactly exercise, but yet there is a physical component to it that is very grounding, Absolutely. I feel. You know, I'm always the the proponent. So everyone just take a big, deep breath. Yes. And really, really feel that diaphragm. Even if you don't want to sing, that deep breath just really relaxes, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And I am reminded of oftentimes my, my singing instructor will say, I can tell that you didn't take a good breath there. I can tell that you did not have. And, wow. and, and the terminology cool. that she will use is what you did wasn't supported, meaning you didn't have that that big breath underneath. And it's so interesting to think about support and what does support mean? And it means different things in different contexts, of course. But, you know, to, to not have a supported breath and it, it's just such an interesting way to see the world. And, and it just gives me so much food for thought. So, Rissa, you are just radiant. I'm looking at you across this Zoom screen and apologize for keeping you on Zoom your entire life this last year. (laughs) But how are you maintaining this amazing personal energy? You just have so much of it. I think it's important to... I'm reminded of some work that I did with a coach years back, and it was thinking about what gives you energy and what takes away your energy. And I think it's really important to get in touch with that. And I know for me, if I'm feeling sluggish, the first thing I should probably do is reach out to somebody because that gives me energy. And, you know, if I'm ever feeling um, tired for me to go out and to meet up with friends is going to energize me more than just about anything else. And I think the same is true when I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed. I can spin out of control for sure. And I know that about myself, but the best thing for me to do is to text or to call a friend. I mean, literally phone a friend and, and check in and I will instantly feel better. And it's like, you know, the, the, the nervous system, right? Where that, that you get that anxious reaction and then to get on the phone call, you know, reverses that reaction for me. And so I think it's so important to know how your energy flows and to understand that because it all then makes sense and you know what to do next. Yeah, kind of like understanding your personal energy management that you 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 energy manage throughout your day. That's interesting. I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think that um you can't control all of it, of course, as far as the schedule or the, you know, there are things that need to get done, but then how do you how do you think about your own approach to it um, or what it is that you need in order to continue to thrive? Rissa, it's time for our action steps for today. What do we need to do or what could we do to embrace spring and this time of renewal? Oh, that's a great question. I right now am loving walking around the neighborhood and seeing all of the flowers that are popping up and the gorgeous colors and the smells and this, I mean, it's a really full sensory experience right now. So I say one, take a walk, 
um, to music is so important to me. Um, so, you know, any way to incorporate that, whether that's a performance or singing or a rehearsal or a lesson, that's definitely critical. And then I think too, um, you know, reaching out, I think phoning a friend and, and who haven't you talked to in a while or who haven't you texted in a while. Um, but I feel like there are such great benefits to energy and to well-being in making those connections or renewing those connections. Marissa, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm really looking forward to seeing you at the next board meeting. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hello Health today. If you haven't already, please take some time to rate and review us. It helps other people find us. Until next time, remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.